This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Boketov, good morning. How are you? Boketov, yes, so much is still happening and so many little things to, to report about. And, and get, I'm feeling a little stronger as we get a little further away from that massacre to talk a little bit more detail about some of the things that happened there. Of course, um, we're marking 30 days since the massacre mm, took mm. place. And, of course, um, in Judaism, 30 days is a certain period of mourning. We start with the seven days being the Shiva, and then there's the so-called Shloshim, which is the 30 days um, of mourning after uh, the death of an individual, in this case, many, many individuals. Uh, and so we are marking the Shloshim in a number of different ways. There are ceremonies being held across Israel to mark that a moment uh, and of course to pay respects um, to those who were killed um, and in the meantime we continue to fight the battle what's quite interesting is how the home front is sort of adapting itself to an ongoing state of war because it's already now a month gone by and in all honesty we don't see the end of this war within any short period of time soon this is likely to roll for another few months yet. Um, and one of the interesting things that happened in my neighborhood where I live is that um, a, an apartment building had been evacuated to be um, taken down so that they could rebuild a new apartment building in that place. It's one of the older ones and people had already moved out. And the municipality took the opportunity to cordon the area or for an entire day. Part of the building was brought down was was collapsed, and then they used the site for a search and rescue drill right there mm, in that apartment mm. building. And the search and rescue team from the municipality came along, and they spent 24 hours training, going through their drills and their exercises in order to uh, be ready for whatever may come next. And that was just an opportunistic thing because that building was already labeled for to be pulled down anyway, and, and so um, they use that as a drill opportunity. Um, and in other news, um, yesterday, unfortunately, we had the very tragic story of the death of one of our young border policemen, hmm. border police women in this particular case, a young lady who had come from the United States as a lone soldier and volunteered for the border police, Rose Elisheva Lubin, was 20 years old and living uh, on Kibbutz Assad in southern Israel and was patrolling around Herod's Gate yesterday in the city of Jerusalem when she and her colleague who was with her were attacked by a young 16-year-old, a resident mm -hmm. of the city of Jerusalem, and uh, they were stabbed. Uh, unfortunately, Rose was very, very seriously injured and later died of her wounds. 
Um, her colleague, fortunately, had, was not so badly injured and is uh, recovering in hospital. Um, but this is also um, just evidence of the fact that there is no place at the moment in Israel that isn't on edge. Everything is very, very tense. Um, residents of Jerusalem, Arab residents of Jerusalem attacking the border police, in this case a 16-year-old. Um, he, of course, was what they use in the term that they use in business is neutralized. He was effectively shot and killed um, by one of the other policemen in the area. But um, right now, um, the, the situation is very, very tense indeed. Um, another story of um, a, um, a soldier who uh, was a, a reserve soldier who had gone uh, to Gaza and had given was given time to come home, 29, 29 years old and a father of children. And um, he was coming home. He'd already left Gaza and was on his way home when he was shot in his car and killed near to his mm -hmm. home in the settlement of Enav. So he'd managed somehow to get away from the, the war zone and yet wasn't safe as he approached his home to have a home visit um, after having served. Um, so uh, there is still a great deal of tension. And, of course, the northern border yesterday was very active indeed with more than 30 missiles fired from Lebanon into Israel. Um, there was some damage done. Fortunately, there were no injuries, um, but residents of northern Israel, those who are still in that area, were in their bomb shelters for quite some extended period of time yesterday um, as those missiles were fired. And then a story that you couldn't even have made up when uh, uh, drones and missiles are being fired by the Houthis from Yemen, and they are fired towards Israel, and then being intercepted by Saudi Arabia and by Jordan. Those missiles and those drones were being intercepted by Jordan and by Saudi Arabia as they made their way towards Israel. Now, it's the strangest of stories because, um, as we're aware, the, the Arab world and, and in Jordan in particular um, have come out very strongly against the operation in Gaza, um, and yet they are the ones who are shooting down drones that have been directed towards Israel. It's not clear whether potentially those drones might have landed in Jordan or been some sort of a risk to Jordanian territory as they overfly from Yemen um, on their route to Israel. That's not clear, but it seems like a very, very unlikely story. Um, and I just want to make one more comment um, before we talk a little bit more about details of what went down in Gaza yesterday. In terms of the operation that's happening in Gaza, we see senior Hamas officials standing up with TV screens and posters and all kinds of presentations and calling for a stop to the genocide. This is the term that, of course, is being used, emotive language, stop to the genocide in Gaza, stop to the operation humanitarian aid needed. And it just kind of People forget for a moment that this is the same organization that are currently holding 240-odd hostages and that all they would need to do is release those hostages who are civilians and who don't belong in Gaza. Just release them in order to be able to secure some sort of a pause, at least a pause in what's currently happening in Gaza. But instead, they stand up and then use all of these emotive terms and strong language in front of the international press 
that the Israelis are uh, creating a genocide in Gaza and this needs to be stopped by the international community. Well, just release the hostages, guys. They're in your hands. This is under your control. This is an action that you can take. You went in and took them. Just release them. If you were to release them, it would put an entirely different gloss on the whole situation. And yet, instead of releasing the hostages, they are using the opportunity to throw dirted Israel and to accuse Israel of all of these um, heinous crimes um, and of course managing somehow to garner international support in the process and this is the thing that just I find completely uh, unfathomable is how people can be drawn in to, to, to not understand that there are hostages here and releasing the hostages makes a big difference. Not to say that Israel wouldn't still want to destroy mm, Hamas mm. terror network because, of course, um, in response well, has to, to that prove massacre. Because that, that, just, place. that just gets it back to where it was, you know, or doesn't because yeah. there's so many lives lost. Yeah, but it, just, it, 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 I mean, it doesn't help the future. So, so I, I mean, just encouraging people who are out there who are listening and who are potentially forgetting that there are still hostages in this equation. And the moment those hostages are released, which would be within the hands of Hamas, which, which would be within their control, the moment those hostages are released, it creates an entirely different equation. And yet they don't do it. And so one has to ask the question, why not? And it seems as if, though, at least in some part, it's because the situation is serving their purpose. Yeah, it's it's, it's just remarkable. But also uh, what I see here on social media is that Israel's yeah, being blamed for the hostages. Well, because how could they be going in and bombing? Israel are killing their own hostages, their own people. And that's, of course, part of the psychological warfare that Hamas and its friends are playing. Um, the psychological warfare, of course, is, is massive, and we all need to be very cautious about being sucked into it. Um, and what we see around the world is just astonishing. I've read this morning that apparently a Jewish man was, was killed in Los mm-hmm. Angeles at, at a pro-Israel demonstration when um, pro-Palestinians came along and he was beaten up. And apparently he's died of his injuries. This is in Los Angeles, a Jewish person killed in Los Angeles. This is just unimaginable in terms of the, the, the reaction that we're seeing around the world. It really is just uh, really, really remarkable. And uh, the, the visit by uh, uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken to the region, any, uh, any thoughts on that one? Well, he's, he's made... He made many stops along the way. He visited Israel. He met with Mahmoud Abbas, the president of the Palestinian Authority. He was in Iraq. His last most recent stop was in Turkey um, to talk to um, the Turkish government officials about the situation here. His coming out with two strong messages. Message number one is humanitarian aid for the Gazans. And I can understand that. Except that let's always remember that the situation of the Gazans in Gaza is Hamas's responsibility as much as they're trying to place that responsibility with the United Nations with others. But it's their responsibility because if they were to release the hostages, then a lot of the action that's being taken in Gaza right now would have a different uh, way about it. And so... Um, while Israel is being roundly blamed for the so-called humanitarian crisis that's uh, being created in Gaza, and let's not forget that Israel is the one who's been encouraging mm. the civilians in Gaza to move away from 
battle zones um, and yet being blamed for the humanitarian crisis. Um, certainly, um, Secretary of State Tony Blinken um, is very eager to try and deal with the humanitarian issues to try and get further aid into Gaza. That's certainly one of the main issues that he was talking about. The second issue that he was talking about a lot was um, the two-state solution, which he is a very strong proponent of, and also what may well happen on the day after this war. What will be in Gaza and how will that be taken care of? And that was really what he was talking to Mahmoud Abbas about, because what he would like to do is to allow the Palestinian Authority to take control of Gaza, which President Mahmoud Abbas seems to be willing to take on. Let's not forget that that's how this all started in Mm, 2005, mm. when Gaza was handed over to the control of the Palestinians. It was handed over to the Palestinian Authority. But Hamas effectively kicked them out through some sort of a coup um, that took place in Gaza. And since then, Hamas have been the rulers in in Gaza. Now the idea is to try somehow to return that back to the Palestinian Authority under Fatah control. Um, And that was what uh, the uh, the discussion was about between Tony Blinken and uh, the Palestinian Authority, President Mahmoud Abbas. Um, we do also know that um, Tony Blinken met with King Abdullah in Jordan, um, and so he's had an opportunity to meet with many, many of the Arab leaders in this area. Um, and the U.S. continued to support Israel militarily, sending submarine and sending other ships and, and, and indeed sending um, senior military people here to coordinate and to liaise about what's happening with the war. Um, and let's not forget that besides marking 30 days since the massacre, this week also marks one year until the next U.S. presidential election. We are now exactly one year away from the next U.S. presidential election, and we do know that uh, President Biden will pl- is planning to run for a second term, and one wonders to what extent the work that Tony Blinken has been doing in the region might have an eye on the election in a year from now. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, unfortunately that's what happens. It's all about uh, it. Often is about politics. But that said, we certainly can't discount the incredible support for uh, for Israel by the United States, unlike South Africa, who has recalled its ambassador to Israel. Not that it has one, not since 2018 anyway, which makes it all a little weird and embarrassing. But has there been any reaction from Israel? Um, there has been some reaction because not only has uh, South Africa formally recalled its ambassador, which, as you say, um, was sort of a, a notional kind of call, but in fact, um, the South African government also recalled its entire diplomatic mission, all South African diplomats in Israel at the uh, embassy in Israel have been recalled back to South Africa. So this is kind of a step further than many of the other countries who have recalled the ambassadors. They recalled the ambassadors for consultation um, as a sign of protest against what's happening. But in the case of the South African government, it's gone a lot stronger than that. They've recalled the entire diplomatic mission and also come out very much supporting Hamas and supporting um, Hamas's rights in Gaza. And the Israeli Foreign Ministry spokesman, Lior Hayat, said that um, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs fully supports the Israeli ambassador in South Africa, who represents the position of the Israeli government. And then he went on to, to talk about the South African government's decision to record its diplomatic staff and effectively hand a victory to Hamas 
terror organization and to reward it for the massacre that was carried out on October the 7th. Um, and um, I think that that's really what this is all about. On the one hand, that the Israeli government, while wanting to criticize the actions of the South African government by handing a certain strength and support to Hamas by recalling the diplomatic staff, also felt it was important to reinforce the position of the, South, the Israeli ambassador in South Africa, who's not being recalled, mm, and who mm. will remain in South Africa, at least as far as we can see for now. Yeah, and there doesn't seem to be, we spoke to an expert earlier, there doesn't seem to be, he reached out to Durka, who said that there's no real discussion about uh, the Israeli ambassador here in South Africa. I think that's important mm. not only for Israel, Howard, but also for the community in South Africa. And I think that that's really the message, that this is Israel's support for the community in South Africa to the extent that the ambassador is able to provide that support. That's what the Israeli government wants to do. It is 8.01. I'm Howard Feldman. That was Anthony Reich with the Israel Report. We'll catch Anthony tomorrow at 7.45. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all.